hello rukmini welcome welcome to this podcast uh, i know you yourself have been doing a nearly daily podcast on covid for the last what 72 73 days yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks so you, 72 days after the lockdown began uh, or around that time frame what what is the big broad picture looking like just now as we speak what are the things that are really uppermost in your mind right so um i look at things usually from a, a data perspective and i think uh, the first thing that that everybody is noticing right now is that the numbers are really uh, looking pretty big and looking pretty bad right now um just a couple of days ago i was looking at uh, indian cities uh, compared to other cities across the world especially the south american cities where numbers are also very high right now and and i was quite amazed to find that um, Uh, you know the three worst affected indian cities delhi bombay and chennai are among the world's most affected right now um and you know it, uh, there's no no real uh, signs of a plateauing in most of them uh, delhi and chennai really are uh, seeing you know pretty high growth and and the thing that we've known about this uh, disease from the beginning and the way it spreads is that exponential growth is the um scary time which means that it's not that numbers are increasing by a few or you know sort of linearly but it becomes almost multiples that they start growing you know doubling every 4 5 days that sort of thing so we haven't really been in that stage for most of the time so far but now the numbers are looking a bit frightening especially in cities and um, you know this is something we could talk a little more about is that the numbers on their own uh don't mean much because the context is very important and the context and uh, well one of the pieces of the context is um health infrastructure availability so even a city or a district that doesn't have a large number of hospitals if it has no uh ventilators like several districts in india do uh that's when the numbers really start looking very scary no we can come to that in a bit you know let me just ask you as a complete layman on a issue like this what are the two or three numbers which are looking terrible and what are the two or three numbers which are looking somewhat hopeful so here are the two or three numbers that look uh, that look bad one of the numbers that looks really bad is india's contact tracing numbers so what this is is that every time a positive case is identified uh, the local health representatives um, usually corporation representatives in a city it's a, a vital part of the job is to immediately uh essentially sort of interview the person and try and trace her movements over the last uh, uh 7 to 10 days uh if the person has just developed uh, symptoms to try and understand who they might have been in touch with and who they risk having infected uh we should be um we should be i mean the sense was that we were doing a big contact tracing exercise and we are it is numerically large but uh the you know the most worrying number to me that i've seen in the last few weeks has been the contact tracing numbers a study done by the indian council for medical research based on all tests done between january 22nd and april 30th um they found that on average in india only six contacts per person were being traced mm-hmm. and not even tested just traced at all right so 
that's a that's a terrible number that's really worrying and um, for over half of the tests conducted no real details were available about who was tested and why and if you compare this with say south korea in south korea over the, the share of people who uh, whose full contact details um, uh, are known who were fully traced is over 80% so so this is really worrying if this is beginning to break down in india and we are seeing this with you know boots on the ground news reporting as well the indian express has been has reported from bombay that um that the system is just overwhelmed uh, you know a person who is supposed to be do, uh, tracing 100 contacts a day is having to do 250 and they're just sort of having to race from house to house and um, good contact tracing is falling by the wayside so that's a number that really worries me um there's a whole the other number that worries me greatly is of course testing um i am not one of those people who uh, you know i'm not a sort of blind advocate of more testing um just as a concept but yes. when you see what's happening in cities like delhi where the share of uh, tests that turn out to be positive that's the test positivity rate is growing so fast and on days is you know almost 50% of the tests conducted on recent days have turned out positive that means two things one is that your infection is growing very fast and two is that you're not testing you've not ramped up testing in proportion so that part of uh, testing worries me and i think aggregate numbers when it comes to testing in particularly have been quite misleading because the national average really hides what's happening within states and even within states everyone started sort of fairly big but there's really no excuse for why some states have really stalled on testing you know there was a big there was a period of 5 days in bihar when the uh, uh, migrants had just begun to return when the daily tests fell by 1/3 uh, fell to 1/3 to about 500 tests a day for a, for a state that size so there's really no no excuse for these things and they, they don't show up easily because we are usually looking at aggregate numbers so that's the other number that worries me the third number that worries me is actually a number that doesn't exist and that's partly why it worries me which is uh, bed availability um, oxygen availability icu availability and uh, ventilator availability so what we know fairly well now is that is before all of this we know roughly what the situation of infrastructure was in most districts at least not in all cities or you know at the lower level but we don't know how much of it is occupied how much of it is functioning we do not have good updated data about that and some of these things you know we used to things being in some sort of state of disrepair in india so you know you, you sort of feel yeah well how is that kind of updated data going to be available mm. and then uh, in the last few days uh, you know i have sort of given up uh, looking at Uh, anyone who aggregates uh, data even john hopkins or any of those universities and now now i try to look at the individual websites of various countries mm-hmm. and the number of latin american countries who are doing this um, so well the up- complete updated data broken down by region of exact bed and uh, ventilator oxygen availability sure they are much smaller and we can't compare them with the whole country but there there should at least be states or cities that are able to provide this i mean even bombay and delhi 
everybody knows from just speaking to people they know and from news reporting that getting a bed is next to impossible right now but we did not have reliable updated we don't still have reliable updated data so that's a number that worries me largely because we don't have it okay um so let's have... let's come let's come to the hopeful part later then okay <laughs> let me let me let me ask you very quickly yeah. india is now number 4th on the global list right at this rate what do you expect to happen let's say one month from now could india turn up becoming number 1 Mm, so so i mean the us is the pandemic is definitely slowing down in the us um and i think brazil although uh, uh, it's grown very fast very recently i think very soon brazil is not going to be the latin american country that's uh, in the biggest crisis i think chile and peru are in real trouble chile in particular um and i'm seeing this from their big big cities um so so i you know i don't know if uh, i i still think that latin america has a big problem uh, uh, the the russian numbers are just going to keep uh, declining it's it's growing extremely slowly in russia already so it's really it's really going to be between india and the latin american countries just because of the sheer uh, size of india um, brazil would have been the one that would come close but i think with things slowing down in brazil yes there is a very real possibility that in total aggregate um numbers uh, india will have the most cases right you know in march a uh, couple of months ago in march an epidemiologist called dr ramanan lakshmi narayan warned of a tsunami of cases he warned of 300 million cases then i've seen a piece of german research which said that india would have should have had about 136000 cases at a time when it was reporting just 18000 cases and a little later i saw a reuters news story showing a, a huge drop in the number of deaths reported at crematoria in ahmedabad a 67% drop between march last year and this year without beating around the bush rukmini i'm asking you is india dressing up data and under reporting cases so so outright sort of lying and covering up i have not seen anything that makes me uh, um, think that that's happening um, the, there's a few things that i think is happening one is that the, there is no doubt that our official numbers are an undercount our um, testing by how much by how much do you think we are undercounting no, I, i don't think i'd be able to estimate that because it goes into the area of unknown unknowns which right. is if you don't you know so the if we conduct a large scale seroprevalence study which is what we are working on right what you know the government is doing right now that will give you some sense of actual uh, spread in the community uh, and that's really the only way to come up with um, usable sensible estimates so because we have a restrictive um, testing strategy then additionally we have um, uh, sorry because yeah. we have this very uh, restrictive testing strategy then additionally this is a, a disease which has 
a large proportion of asymptomatic cases which makes it you know unusual in its presentation and then we have all the gaps the well known gaps that we know that exist in accessing healthcare especially for poor people and in poorer states all of that put together i don't think it's you know any sort of conspiracy theory to think that uh, that there's under reporting it just seems like the most normal natural course of um that that's likely i mean without it being any um uh, global issue we highly underreport malaria and tb every year uh, so there's little doubt that this is happening um with covid 19 um when it comes to deaths thing, things are a bit more complicated um, there um so i feel like what's happened just now in chennai is a good example of both the hopeful and the worrisome uh, aspects of what could be happening with death reporting so chennai had a much uh, chennai and tamil nadu have had a much lower mortality rate than most of the rest of the country um, and there were some questions about whether there was something special going on over here or whether the numbers were not reported right and then over the last week what's been found is that there was a big data reconciliation issue and a large number of deaths in a government hospital have not been counted so they've still not been properly added to tamil nadu's total so this this is all the worrying part right this is the part that immediately makes you think was someone hiding it and you know can we trust our official numbers is happening in tamil nadu what's happening in the rest of the country but here's the thing these numbers came out because there was a government appointed committee set up to do exactly this which is to go around to hospitals and check if this sort of thing was happening and then they made it public so i don't i don't see this as a uh, and this is something that has happened in cities across the world they've had a another sort of issue which is that in london and in cities in france um there have been deaths of elderly people at home and deaths in nursing homes which took a long time to be added to the total um so uh, you know uh, if you have a system that's uh, looking to find if there are mistakes and then open to rectifying them and talking about it that's a good thing and i don't think that we should set impossibly high standards for governments either to the point that they feel that you know how we make it about police statistics which is that any city that reports the highest statistics they make the headline and then we talk about them as the most unsafe city that's an instant way to incentivize incentivize under reporting so i don't think that there's you know uh, any need to panic about things like this coming out it actually means that the system is working it didn't it didn't worry me that it came out that way hmm. so let me come back to that question i asked you earlier what what do you think is hopeful at this point of time what did we do right you think you know as we look back so i think we we took some official measures reasonably early stopping travel setting in place contact tracing um a lot of these things are actually public health interventions that we are quite familiar with and we have the systems to do it um uh, so you know in terms of what is wanting in india's response the biggest thing that i would think is that i don't think um, infrastructure or testing capabilities were ramped up in the uh, pre lockdown or in the lockdown period but i i would say that i don't even know how possible it is to retrofit these things onto uh, a system that's been neglected for a long time so i'd like to say that they should have done more but i don't know if that was possible at all so broadly in terms of um, you know big decisions taken um, i think we 
we did the sort of things um, that it needed right then so i would say that our uh, the growth rate in cases until now is relatively not um, problematic so that that's relatively a good sign uh, the mortality rate so far is relatively a good sign um, the share of um, persons reporting positive who have moderate symptoms and who don't need critical care is also a good sign you know that's that could be because of uh, you know the point at which cases are being reported or it could be as a result of uh, a younger population but that, that's still nevertheless a good sign um those aggregate numbers look okay so far and also the fact that there hasn't yet been the explosion of cases in uh, poor states that uh, that was very worrying and that in the immediate aftermath of uh, the migrant crisis seemed like a you know very real possibility none of which is to say that it's not uh, not uh, still going to happen but so far these are all the positive signs yeah that's great because you know that's what that's what i was coming to you know you spoke of the aggregate numbers earlier uh, in fact i would also agree with you that it's quite misleading just to look at the aggregate number all the time when you look at the granular details of the numbers coming out which states in particular let's say three states which states look very bad and which three cities have we heard of so far so um, let me talk about three states that look bad for different reasons um one state that looks bad to me is telangana not because it has the worst numbers but because it reports such little data it has the worst record of reporting testing data of any state at all and you know that's never a good sign and there's really no excuse for that to be happening uh, from telangana so that's one um the other uh, state that's a problem for another reason is gujarat which is that a, it has uh, you know a much higher mortality rate than should be happening because its cases aren't growing at the sort of rapid pace that they are in uh, maharashtra tamil nadu and delhi um and the, what gujarat is also not doing despite having a you know manageable case load and being a rich state um and of a manageable size is that it's also not ramping up testing at all um from the beginning of may till the end of may the daily testing numbers hardly changed in gujarat and mm. uh, that just doesn't seem like a good uh, sign at all and say the third state that worries me the most is probably delhi because between looking at delhi uh, maharashtra and tamil nadu the three states that i end up looking at most closely um, um things seemed well i'd say um, bombay in particular which drives maharashtra's numbers is seeing the the longest sort of slow down in the daily growth rate that it has in a while um that's just not happening in delhi the, for the last two days the numbers the daily numbers in uh, delhi have been among the worst in the world so and i you know the, the, it seems like it's growing fast you know whether we are just getting too caught up with with just the big broad number that that was my worry which is that that's easy to be you know uh, engulfed by you know is there something more that we you know for example i am in mysore where mm. for example we had this extraordinary case of jubilant uh, right. pharmaceutical company uh, which barely went reported because you know something else is occupying people's minds so that's the kind of thing i'm talking about at the same time just now as we speak uh, in in uh, bellari which is the mining area 
the Jindal steel plant has produced the most number of COVID cases in Karnataka outside of Jubilant. Okay, right. so we don't hear of these things. So that's where I was coming from, which is if you remember cities and towns and you know, even villages which have really been problematic. No, these would be outbreaks that are uh, you know very important to study. But uh, no, in the overall numbers, I would say that the ones that are getting the most attention and written about the most really are the ones with with the highest numbers. In fact, you know, someone was telling me um, maybe 10 days ago that uh, Delhi's numbers seemed uh, unexpectedly low and Delhi and Bombay really should have been at the same level and that's it, exactly what happened in the next few days. So the biggest, uh, most high density um, cities really are the ones that are struggling the most right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, let me ask you a couple of political questions. You know, okay. the BJP, for example, uh, is going to town saying that Narendra Modi has done a great job uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They are comparing him with other leaders. I saw an experienced editor like Prabhu Chawla pull out similar numbers yesterday to say that Modi was doing a great job. Uh, let me ask you this very point blank. Do the numbers bear out this kind of a validation for Mr. Modi? Mm, well, well, let me say yes and no, which is um, sometimes I sense uh, a reluctance on the part of uh, uh, left-leaning persons like myself to, uh, um, you know, to credit either the BJP or Modi or the government with anything at all. So I think this uh, sort of compulsive need to continuously um, show that uh, you know things are going very badly worse than anywhere else and because of things that the government has not done and it's not acted and it's not tested and it's you know i am not i don't subscribe to that and i don't i don't see evidence for it that's why not out of any you know belief one way or the other but sure. i mean um, the, the num these numbers themselves don't capture the full reality of all that's happened in this country in the last four months and you know announcing this lockdown with uh, you know the 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 most uh, tough lockdown of all countries in the world with four hours to spare for and all the that we saw the immense hardship of people in the year in the days that followed um, it's impossible to separate the two i mean i really think you know when i think back to the last few months and think back of uh, the most you know heartrending stories i've heard of they aren't necessarily all of people who got or died of COVID-19, so many of them are of people who, and these, you know, back-breaking tragic journeys that they had to take. The, the photos that remain in our minds are of those two men uh, in separate instances, you know, clutching their faces with a mask hanging around their chin, crying at the news of the death of a child back home. That That's the image that stays in my mind. So... What bothers me about uh, uh, both this, you know, the central government BJP administration as well as several uh, state administrations is that, uh, and, and this is not something I necessarily see in governments around the world, is that it, it seems to me a time that it should be fine to say things are tough, this is what's going on, rather than have to continuously project victory. And that's something, uh, that is definitely a criticism I do have of the government. To uh, every press conference to first start with the international numbers and try and show how you're low in comparison, or to, uh, you know, the, the, the ridiculous production of graphs that they um, pulled out to try and show things were 
nose diving where they were not or things were uh, plateauing or this constant thing of you know the peak is here not yet here community transmission is here not yet here it it doesn't i can't say that i know what works best in politics but it seemed like a moment to uh, if at this moment there had been some uh, acceptance of difficulty vulnerability it i don't think people would have um, punished it necessarily so it is frustrating for me to see a constant projection of victory as people you know die and suffer across the country so uh, that definitely bothers me but yes as i said at the beginning um, uh i do not see so far uh, india's response as something deserving of uh, huge criticism and i mean uh, on, on the disease aspect i don't mean on the uh, migrant aspect uh, of course there are flaws which i also point to every day but uh, i don't see this as a huge indictment of the modi government at all right so i mean as they say you can torture any piece of data to make it tell you what you want to hear Uh, but let me ask you this question on the lockdown because you mentioned that rahul gandhi tweeted a graphic a couple of uh, what nearly 10 days ago which showed that india had gone into the lockdown too early and had unlocked when the toll was rising etc what did you make of that graphic was that was that a fair graphic to put out uh, has the lockdown prevented cases and deaths or not no it hasn't and that uh, is a uh, criticism again that i would have of the messaging of the government is that if it was not made clear enough to the people that the lockdown was not going to prevent deaths that was wrong and that was a mistake because that was not what the lockdown was going to do and that's not what it did so if they are copying criticism for uh, cases and deaths continuing after the lockdown it is because of this constant need to project victory and hence to make it seem as if the lockdown was the thing that was going to come between india and a swarm of cases outside at the point that india was when it put the lockdown into place and given the nature of the disease and given the nature of how indian the indian economy and indian society is going to function whether in a pandemic or not um the what should have happened should have been extremely aggressive contact tracing um upping of in, uh, health infrastructure to the extent possible and upping of testing but on testing in particular i would i i, I think that we've not seen that huge increase in testing facilities that we should have i mean uh, at the point of the lockdown we were already saying oh you know not everybody who wants a test can get one and uh, it seems like the criteria are quite tough and we're still seeing exactly that now and that's not just a function of cases growing it is a function of uh, testing facilities not having been uh, expanded so i don't know uh, i'm not sure i'd say that we went into lockdown too early though this is more of an opinion that than something i can necessarily say has been proved by the data i do feel like some uh, you know strong measures needed to happen then whether the whole country needed to go into lockdown right then uh, not sure about that but i do think free movement of people had to stop uh, then um and yes i mean there is an argument that you lift lockdown only when the number of daily cases starts declining but um, you know i don't think that was humanly possible for a country that was that has such weak welfare and safety nets and in which people were struggling so hard already after two months 
so uh, but it does mean that you know when you communicate in this kind of way that it's you protecting the country from all that's happening and that it's you who's done it all then when you lift the lockdown there's definitely going to be a sense of well there's more cases now so how am i any safer um, and if people feel that way it is on the government for having not communicated well enough you know rukmini you are in chennai where covid is growing the fastest if not the second fastest uh, maharashtra has had the fastest doubling rate followed by tamil nadu and delhi etc i saw rahul kanwal of india today television say it is remarkable how up has been able to slow down the spread of the virus this is a pretty strong claim to make is this true uh more than slow what i'd say uh, is happening in up is that it never really took off to the extent that um, one would have worried that it would have happened so if uh, you know at the moment it's a bit of apples and oranges if up had had the um, uh, had the kind of outbreak that um, chennai had quite early because uh, you know chennai's outbreak began early the the tablighi jamaat cluster related cases were over 1000 in uh, chennai alone and then it had in early may this huge coimbatore market cluster so uh, it's had a couple of enormous outbreaks they began quite early and with large numbers so it it might be a bit of a case of apples and oranges um, i don't know if up has slowed things down so much as it's never really taken off in a big way in up okay so let me come to the last couple of questions uh, and let them be personal Okay, uh, Rukmini, I want to know as a data journalist, how do you go about sitting in Chennai? How do you go about crunching data for such a huge pandemic? You know, what are you looking at? What kind of sources do you go to? You know, uh, are there sources uh, you do not trust? You know, uh, is is the government of India itself a good uh, data source to trust? What? How do you go about this thing? So actually this is an aspect which i think has gone quite unremarked upon and is actually one of the big failings of uh, india's response which is that our publicly available official data is just woefully inadequate and um, for reasons uh, that are not justified so um, the source of data that i use every day and you know every journalist across the country and across the world because now i see the sources that international publications use as well is a crowdsourced volunteer driven database called covid19india.org a group of you know extremely hard working um, committed young people who do not seek any um, recognition and you know you won't see any media interviews with them at all um put together official bulletins from districts and states across the country so they are not uh, they they using government of india data essentially but doing the putting together job that the government is not doing it's truly shocking to me that our nationally available official data is in the state that it is in and as i mentioned i've been looking at latin american country websites for the last few days and you know i feel a deep sense of um, envy when i look at them uh, uh, for several countries you get fully available downloadable usable historical data for every region across um the country brazil brazil is one of them that i use um uh, india gives you no historical data the uh, official indian website gives you only today's numbers and not broken down any further beyond uh, states 
so i think it's a real scandal that uh, that this is the state of uh, our data i mean who would know to go to a website called covid19india.org you'd look at the official website and then you'd be you know you'd know so so little more than that um uh, uh in terms of what other, you know other cities and states are doing some of them are doing uh, a decent job of putting things out on twitter um, through their daily bulletins though again there are states uh, up just now has a public facing uh, dashboard but until now it only distributed data on whatsapp as a pdf to journalists i mean what is the rest of the state supposed to do how are they supposed to get uh, information now they have a public facing dashboard so um, yeah the state of data coming uh, state of data being made available in india has been has been really scandalously poor uh, and we're really lucky that these individuals stepped in um, to fill this gap Into square, into bracket, square, करे तो.